Hi, it's Jim Gentilly. Welcome to Two Guys in Search of an Argument. I am in Silver Spring, Maryland, and I am with my friends and co-host, Peggy Bennett in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Hi, Peggy. Hello. Shelly Cummings in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hi, Shelly. Good morning. And John Heinz in the fabulous city of Shanghai near the street of eternal happiness. How are you today, John? I'm good, Jim. Thanks. So today we have one of those sort of oddball episodes. What we did, and this actually came from an idea by Ted Enley, John's long-suffering better half, which is to take a version of the Myers-Briggs personality assessment test. The version we took is from a an outfit called 16 Personalities, and uh, you can take it online. Their version is actually a shortened version of the traditional Myers-Briggs test. For those of you who aren't aware of it, the Myers-Briggs test or tool or or assessment, it was developed by Catherine Cook Briggs and her daughter, Isabel Briggs Myers, and that was originally put out to the public sometime around 1944 and 1945, and has been in wide use ever since then as a way of assessing personality type. It is somewhat based on Carl Jung's personal theory of personality, although elaborated beyond that. And it is not necessarily a fully accepted assessment tool in as much as well, for one reason, neither Briggs nor Myers was actually a trained psychologist. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about taking this test and what the results showed for each of us and what we think about it and whether we think they're accurate or not about ourselves and about each other, because we all know each other a little bit, and just sort of have a little bit of fun with it. Maybe not take it as seriously as some people do, but other people take it more seriously and we'll expect that. So when we're talking about what these personality types mean, we're going to be using the descriptions that are given by the Myers and Briggs Foundation, which is more or less as authoritative a source on Myers-Briggs as possible. And then there's also, just to have a little more fun, there's a site, there's a lot of sites that do this, but there's a site called the career assessment site that takes one of the things they do is they take your Myers-Briggs type and they compare it to what they think certain famous people that I think are also those types. So those are what we'd be referencing when we talk about it. And let's get started. Who would like to be the first? To t- well, first of all, let's just talk in general. What did we think about this test? Did we, what did we think about taking it? What did we think about it in general? Well, I just happened to have listened to a, a podcast I like called Hidden Brain, which is Shankar Vedantam from NPR, and he did he talked about Myers Briggs a little bit. So I had it I, coincidentally, I can't remember if if Ted mentioning it prompted me listening to that, or if me listening to that prompted me to talk about it with Ted. But at any rate, it was I, the insight that came from that podcast was really simple, which is that it's not very meaningful in reality, but it's meaningful in that we give it meaning. And I kind of feel that way. So I felt like to the extent you want to view anything as a an indicator of who you are and therefore maybe it will make you become more like that, then maybe that's true. So I don't know. Overall, I feel like it's probably not like some 
earth shattering thing. It's interesting. It's a little bit like astrology, but maybe it means something if you make it mean something. Shelly, Peggy. So I I find these tests very interesting to see how accurate it reflects how I think of myself or how I think I interact with other people. I've taken a lot of these. We've done this through my current job in an exercise to know how you are and how the person personality type you might be interacting with and how best to communicate to them. So different versions of these types of tests. And I, I, I find them entertaining um, and scary in a scary way. They tend to be pretty much spot on with how I interact or, or how I see myself. And then other times I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm judgy. And then I, then I say something and I'm judgy. So I, I think there's some of it self-fulfilling prophecy kind of thing, but other times I feel like it it's spot on with my personality. And what about you, Peg? Um, I don't mind taking these kind of tests. I just not long ago took the Enneagram. Have you heard of that one? Everybody's talking about that. No. You get a number. Anyway, yep. I think I was a seven. But I don't, I find them too hard to be definitive. I'm always, I'm very much in the middle, which drives me bonkers. You know what I mean? Like when they ask you certain questions, it depends on the situation. Sometimes I could be way to the left. Sometimes I could be way to the right. Or sometimes I'm right in the middle. So I guess that's the part. Shocking. Peggy's noncommittal. <laughs> average. Yeah, seriously. That I would never have been able to guess that. I want to say that I, following up on what I, all three of you said, it's a tool. It has a certain limited value. It's not. It didn't, you know, it wasn't presented to Moses on the mountain, so it shouldn't be looked at too seriously. But the experience I've had with it was in the workplace, like Shelley's, and I do think, and I was doing HR at the time, I do think it can be helpful in terms of raising awareness within the group dynamic about the differences there are between people, because there really are differences between people's personality types and all and 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 making people a little bit more sensitive to that and and also in some ways helping people realize that some of the problems that happen in a workplace and happen in other places but but I think a workplace is a, is the best example or result from the fact that people aren't appreciating the different ways people look at the same information or same situation so I I agree it's a limited tool you do this for work and it helps you figure out how to interact with people. Does that mean you're reading every single personality? Like, I mean, it's long. I thought what I was like, how do you know? Well, no, I think it's more about getting the people who take the test to understand that they are this way and other people, like one of the ways we did it was you had a group of people and everybody said, well, this is how I, this was my score. And this was, and somebody said this was mine, and we talked about what the differences are between. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it helps the group understand that why different people look at the same thing differently and how they receive information, for example, differently. And maybe that helps those people then figure out. One of the – this is just a rubric I used to say at work based on Myers-Briggs, which was that you want to make your plans as an organization – as a T, right? You want to be very analytical about making plans, 
But when you're carrying out those plans, you want to do it as an F with a maximum amount of empathy and compassion. So that's the sort of thing. And again, you can overstate the significance of it, I think. And I think John, I don't think it's quite like astrology the way John is saying, but I do think that it's, I do think it has a certain limited value. Yeah. When in my workplace, when we, we did something similar to this and it was like it called insights colors. So you had red, yellow, blue, green were the insight colors. And you predominantly operate with two of the colors in your work life and kind of in your more casual, regular family life, you might have stronger with the other two colors, the opposites in general. So for example, a red is somebody that needs information right away. Don't give me a lot of lead in. Don't give me a lot of detail. Tell me like it is so I can move on, decide if I want to leave you or go down a certain pathway. And so in my world, we describe surgeons like that. They go in, they cut, they move on, you know, or they want to hear the facts. They want to make a decision, move on. Versus the opposite person of that type would be yellow. They're very flowery, very, they want to get to know you. They want to build a relationship. Then they want to tell you um, more about what they're there to speak to you, what product or whatever the case might be. So they always have stories around what they're going to say. And a a green is more, they want to be your friend. They want to build a relationship. Um, They know the facts, but they're somewhere in between kind of the red and the yellow. And then the blue is very data driven. They want data. They want numbers. They want to hear all of the information, the facts and the data up front, and then they'll, they'll make a decision. So there's, those four different personality and reactions, you would go in to speaking to somebody if you knew that they had that kind of a personality trait or, or, or were bent kind of in that direction in a very different manner. So if I went into a yellow and I started spewing off a bunch of data or facts, they might not hear me or be as responsive because I didn't build that relationship with them that they like to have before they become receptive to hearing what you have to say. So that, and that's the place I found it valuable in life. So do you have a file? Do you have a file on no. everybody and you have yellow stamped <laughs> no. on the outside? You just know. Green. You can just right. tell when you've been around people. Let's, let's, let's talk about our individual results. Who wants to go first with their individual results? I will. What is your four-letter code, Peg? My four-letter code is ISFJ-A. Okay. ISFJ. By the way, the dash A again, that's really something added that's not part of the sort of the canonical Briggs Myers thing. So let's talk about the, according to the Myers and Briggs Foundation, ISFJ is quiet, friendly, responsible, and conscientious, committed and steady in meeting their obligations, thorough, painstaking, and accurate, loyal, considerate, Notice and remember specifics about people who are important to them. Concerned with how others feel. Strive to create an orderly and harmonious environment at work and at home. And according to the career assessment site, ISFJ, the celebrities who share this are, are we ready for this? (laughs) Mother Teresa. I always think of Peg and Mother Teresa. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yes. 50 Cent. Yeah. I'm not sure why they <laughs> that's, that's more like it. And that's more like Anthony it. Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. Now, I would have bet money that 50 Cent and Mother Teresa didn't share the same personality type, but that's a whole nother side road we could go down. Peg. Do you think this is you? Do you think this actually capture, accurately captures who you are? Some of it. I'm not meticulous by any means. I'm not very quiet. I'm not, what's the other one that it said that I thought was weird? What, what about it do you I think, think captures you? You're not loyal? No, I'm pretty loyal. And Considerate? And I do about other people's feelings. What else did it say? Well, is, well, let me put it this way. Is there any one of the letters you think should be reversed for you? The letters? What do you mean? In other by? words, do you think you're more of an extrovert than an introvert? Because this says you're more of an introvert than an extrovert. That's just. Oh, an is that what the I stands for? Yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe I, we should have gone over that. I thought you guys knew. Well, that. but look a, at the. I'm not an introvert. No, I'm not an introvert. But what is your scale? So the individual, when it rated yeah, you? Yeah, did you come across in the middle yeah. or very heavily on one side of those? Or, yeah, My what was scale, your. Uh, where do I find that? 54% introverted, at, it says. Yeah. So see, you're in the middle. Yeah. You're, 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 you're just a little bit on the introverted and I'm side. What about the other letters? I'm 73% observant. And I think that's true. I'm pretty, I think I'm observant. 90% feeling. I think that's true. 53% judging. Ouch. Ooh. So you're in the middle. Okay. Well, but you know, but I, I think we should also clarify that as judging is used in this is not being used in the same way it is in vernacular where judgy is considered to be a pejorative a term. This is meant as a different way of, again, pro how we process things differently from other people. 64% assertive, which is more true now than it used to be, especially back when I was living with John Heinz and he told me I, it was pathetic how I let people walk all over me. I think that was a changed my <laughs> life forever. I'd never been so shocked. <laughs> Shelly, you've known Peggy forever. Do you think ISFJ is right or do you think it's not on target? Uh, I think it is so on target because my score is almost absolutely identical to hers. <laughs> and you think you two are very similar. <laughs> feeling. And I am not feeling. She's way high on feeling. And That's the one where we differ. And 73% observant. So that's the only one I go over 70. Those are the only two you go yeah, over. Yeah, sorry, 70. the only two. Yeah. So, Peg, uh, well, Shelly, since you brought it up, are you all, you're also ISFJ? I am. A, wow. Yes. And what are, your, what are your ranges? So I am 51% introverted. So you're very close to the middle, also. Yeah. 70% observant. Disappointed that was so Peg. low. I'm only 64% feeling. Ooh, you're cold-hearted, cold-hearted. But I'm 68%. Again, again, these are not meant to be pejorative, right? She's making it that way. 68% judging. Yes. 63% assertive, which doesn't really Ooh, sound I'm like more assertive me. than you. So you guys yeah. are, according to these tests, you guys are very similar. So you're both Mother Teresa, or maybe... One of you is Mother Teresa, and one of you is 50 Cent. Maybe yeah. that's what we I'm should I'm Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What do you think, So that Dan, is Jim? interesting. 
Well, I well that's a question, John. Would you have guessed that Peg and Shelley would be so similar? In some ways. I guess I don't. It's you know I have a real easy time with the extroversion introversion kind of like gut response, but I think that's just because it has an independent like kind of polar value in my head. The other ones I just can't. I've I've seen this for years and I can't wrap my head around the the why they're opposites. You know what I mean? Like why is the opposite? I guess thinking and feeling. There's kind of that makes sense to me, but sensing versus intuition doesn't make sense as opposites and judging and perceiving doesn't make sense as opposites. So it's very hard for me to like have a opinion about whether, you know, like I don't get like to look at a friend and go, they would, they would belong on one side or the other. I mean, if you look at them literally as dichotomies, that's problematic when you look at them as different ways people respond to situations or handle in, like I say, receive information. I think that their their labels for different approaches have, and certainly people do have different approaches. And I think the other thing that's useful about this is that people are saying is that the the it does recognize that it's sort of a continuum, right? That you know that some people are more one way than others and other people are pretty close to the middle. What do they mean with the uh, the when you said the dichotomy between the two and they the one that comes up assertive and turbulent. What do they mean by turbulent? Like they, you cause drama? Yeah, I'm not really sure about that and again that's okay. not really part of the original Oh, Myers-Briggs, okay. or the, like I said, the canonical mode. What about the sentinel thing? It says my role is sentinel. Yeah, again, I don't know. I was looking to see, and if you go to other versions of this, other people have different titles for these things. Oh, hey, I found it. This isn't bad. It says sentinels are cooperative and practical. I think that's very much me. Their grounded approach helps them feel comfortable with who they are, defining themselves not by individualism, but by character and competence. That's me. These personality types seek order, yes, security, and stability, and tend to work hard to maintain the way of things, leading to a deserved reputation as the core of any group or organization, from family to church to the office to the factory floor. I'm, 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 I could do that. I do embrace teamwork. And I do expect the same performance and respectability from others that are in my team. I dislike strident nonconformity because they, because I envision progress through collaboration and hard work within a known set of rules to let everyone do their own thing on a whim, be anarchy, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. These personality types are happiest without drama, though their admirably stubborn loyalty can certainly attract it if they feel they need to stand by a friend regardless of whether they're in the right or wrong. Yeah, I'm okay with being a sentinel, I guess. I mean, one of the things, for example, about the difference between the thinking-feeling thing is that people who are thinking tend to make decisions in a more detached way, whereas people who are feeling try to achieve that sort of a detachment when making decisions, right? And the sensing, perceiving thing is about how they receive information in the sense that people who are sensing tend to receive it as sort of get tangible information, whereas other people tend to try a sort of intuitional approach to receiving information. So those are the ways those are described again. Okay, so let's talk about, so what about Shelley? Do we think this is also accurate for Shelley? Sure. We have, we have some, we have uh, similarities. 
What about you, John? What is your personality type? So I have a weird situation. I re- I took this in 2010 as part, believe it or not, as part of my MBA at the University of Chicago. They had us all take it. The full, official, real like complete one with the, full the crazy test. right yeah i mean i have a i have a 17 page report right, right uh that breaks it down in like painstaking detail before you get what to I that am. what was your what was your result from this one well so this my result was enfj and what was your result in the other one entp so you become more judgment and more feeling yeah, the big one I switched on is I was back in the day. I was I look, the, here's the consistency. I'm a total extrovert. I'm like I'm like almost off the I'm literally have a I'm complete extrovert now and I'm complete extrovert then. That hasn't changed. That I am just extrovert. That's clear. Whatever. I must either I must know the questions and know how to answer because that's I'm 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 definitely on the extrovert side. The thing in the past, the sensing intuition, I was slightly on the side of intuition and I was slightly on the side of thinking. And now I'm on the side of slightly on the side of sensing and slightly on the side of feeling. So I was always in the middle there. So that, I don't think those categories are very meaningful for me. The one that the other one that switched though is interesting is the perceiving switch to judging. And it was I was pretty I was about half three quarters of the way a little more than three about no, about half a little more than halfway three quarters of the way up on perceiving. And now I'm in judging. And to be honest, I didn't download the. I didn't download the new report how far along I am on the on the judging, but I had but I'm I, I have a feeling I'm probably a little more central because I remember answering the questions more centrally. But nothing I mean yeah, nothing's changed otherwise. The key difference between judging and perceiving is perceiving people tend to have a more unstructured view of things, whereas judging people tend to have a more structured view of the world. So I mean I think it's probably not inconsistent to say that if someone gets older and goes through different life experiences that that could change well it's funny how i actually was thinking about how i'm i I actually have some attachment to being entp and when i took it and i was like it came out enfj i was like shit i have to remember new letters now so so you have a psychological attachment you identify with entp and e so so here is ENTP. This is ENTP, according to Myers-Briggs. Quick, ingenious, stimulating, alert, and outspoken. Resourceful in solving new and challenging problems. Adept at generating conceptual possibilities and analyzing them strategically. Good at reading other people. Bored by routine. Will seldom do the same thing the same way. Apt to turn to one new interest after another. And then, by contrast, ENFJ, warm, empathetic, responsive, and responsible, highly attuned to the emotion, needs, and motivations of others, find potential in everyone, want to help others fulfill their potential, may act as catalysts for individual and group growth, loyal, responsive to praise and criticism, sociable, facilitates others in a group, and provide inspiring leadership. I mean, I will speak for myself, John. I think both of those do describe you in some ways. I agree. But I think it's possible that as you've, you have changed somewhat. When did you, how long ago was it you took the test? 2010, almost a decade ago. It's not quite a decade ago. The, the, the ENTP celebrities are Steve Wozniak. Yep. 
Tom Hanks. Yeah. And Selma Hayek. There you go. And Robert Downey Jr. Well, I look like all those guys. (laughs) What a weird. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And the ENFJ celebrities are. Let's see if these are more to John's. Bono. (laughs) Pope John Paul II. (laughs) Oprah. (laughs) What do you think, John? Do you want to be Oprah or Tom Hanks? Which do you prefer? By the way, Oprah and Tom Hanks are probably two of the most widely admired Americans in our society right now, right? So there's something to be said for those two options, right? I, I actually looked up the stars before I got on, and I, I the other one was the other ENFJ I saw was Obama. But the, uh, the I, 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 I probably— And again, these are all—we should be clear. Nobody knows— what these people's scores right. are. This is all just it's all made up. Pure right. speculation, right? It, yeah, to be we don't yeah, we don't want to suggest we're leading them down the d- yes. d- path of We darkness. don't want our twelve No, I feel to... like I associate more with the uh, no, right. with the ENTP still. I, yeah. I mean that's just it's weird. When I look at even when I look at the report, I'm like, <laughs> Oh, that makes sense, that makes sense. When I look at the more d- intricate report. But I, I have to be honest, the two thousand ten exam we took, it was like an hour. It was long. This mm-hmm. took me. You yeah, know. yeah. No, no. If I, if you didn't make it clear in the introduction, the version we took, which is a very popular version now, is a shortened version. But I mean, I gotta figure. You, you could tell that they're asking the questions and they're circling back to the same ideas as you're asking them. So maybe part of it is I'm gaming it and I'm trying. You know, I'm trying by not by trying not to game it. I'm gaming it and I'm making it worse. But I feel like to some extent, it's probably really about circling back and by taking a longer version of it it may do better. Like I was wondering why they don't have an app where it like randomly asks you questions at different times of day. So it catches you at different moods over a period of time to get an even better sample of kind of how you answer questions so that you're not answering them all in a certain state of mind, like when you're depressed or when you're in bed or when you're in a, and that way they could maybe get a better, uh, you know, get better data. But, but that's what, this is what see. The problem with me is as soon as I start looking at this, I start looking at the methodology. I start thinking to myself, okay, this is not a peer reviewed, you know, system. There's psychologists, you know, will credibly tell you this is not reliable and not very helpful. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. And because it's fun, I still want it to be credible. So you've taken Myers-Briggs before too, right, Shelley? Did your results consistent with the last time? Last time I took it was probably in 2008. And I have it in a file somewhere. Yeah. And I've, I've taken other versions. So like the insight colors, and then there's another one that we, I think I, I'm blanking on what that might be, but it, it's all the same kind of thing. A bunch of different questions you have to pick along a pendulum and pick an, and they, they tell you. I think I sounded like the green. Yeah. I think you would be more the green. Color. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I lead green blue is my personality. But it also has its nuances with start as soon as you start believing it, you're like, Oh yeah, that's who I am. But there are other times when you can be that yellow, flowery, outwardly. It's just what you lead with. Okay, so I have a question. So when I, my test results pop up, it gave me what I read to you. But if I click on the link that says view your profile, I get a completely different type and completely different scores. Hmm. For my personality, what that means. Link to your profile. That's 
Yeah. So the original one was the defender. And then the next one, when I just click on my profile, it says assertive and it's an ESFJ instead of You like of that one better. That. And it says I'm 64% extroverted, which is not, and 79% observant. Yeah. No, mine, mine's changed. Okay. Okay. I just didn't know if anybody else had that. I, I like this personality. 64% extroverted, 79% observant, 67% feeling, 79% judging, and 57% assertive. That went down. You're concerned about the observant? No, I'm not concerned at all. I just found it interesting that I click on the overview and it gives me a completely different type and number. I like some of the new, some of the old... (laughs) So, Jim, what about you? So, I will go ahead and give my results, which I know everyone has really been waiting for. So, I am an INFJ. And according to Myers-Briggs, an INFJ, as opposed to some other people, seeks meaning in connection in ideas, relationships, and material possessions want to understand what motivates people and are insightful about others, conscientious and committed to their firm values, develop a clear vision about how best to serve the common good, organized and decisive in implementing their vision. And just for fun, the celebrities that I am associated with are Mahatma Gandhi, (laughs) Al Pacino, and again, I wouldn't have bet that those two would share a personality type. Oh, wow. And I believe it. Carl Jung himself, supposedly, was an INFJ. So also, there are some sources that say that INFJ is one of the rarer of the 16 types. But I couldn't find anything authoritative on that score. Um <laughs> Well, the data, I mean, there's they, they, these tests are taken so many different places. It's not like there's like a central storehouse of this information, you know. So I don't remember what I got when I took this before. Honestly, I don't. Like Shelly, I don't remember my previous score. Um, I would also say that there were a couple where I was in the middle. The FT1, I was in the middle. Uh, yeah, it was like 51.49 on the FT1 and 56.44 on the judging, uh, prospecting or perceiving one. So those were pretty close in those two areas. Yes. So did you like yours, Jim? Do you agree? I mean, I don't know. I think that I <laughs> highly confidential. I, I don't. I don't find it disturbing or anything like that. I, it's hard for me to be. Uh, no. What do you guys think? I think everybody wants to be an introvert. I think so many people think they're introverted and they're really not. I think it sounded. Yeah, oh, I, I think agree. that I am definitely introverted. Well, it's, and, you know, Peg, that's interesting. I was going to say there's a big misunderstanding about introversion. I would. I would. Explain it this way. If you asked me to make a speech in front of 200 people, I would have no problem doing that. 
if you ask me to go mingle and talk individually to 200 people, especially that I don't know or know don't know well, that I would bother me a great deal. And so people sometimes confuse extroversion with performance. Like there's a lot of performers who are actually introverts. Performance is like a different thing. Like giving a speech is a performance, whereas dealing with people being on an individual level, that's where the introversion, extroversion thing is more meaningful. Johnny Carson, for example, was famously introverted, even though obviously he made his living being on television five nights a week. There's a difference between extroversion and performance, right? Performance is projecting a certain thing for, to, for entertainment or for some reason, whereas introversion, extroversion is just the question of how easy it is for you to like interact with people. I saw you, I saw you socialize. Now, that is entirely painful for me, that stuff. Again, I I consider this more the podcast more of performing than than that. But you interact but, better. I think you again. I think this is a common thing with people who think they're introverted. I saw you interacting at John's wedding yes, with a bunch of strangers. Exactly you right. do just fine. And I think you need more socialization than you. That's right. You need like you love this. You love chatting. I agree with that. You love chatting with people. But I think there's also a difference because he might have chatted uh, through John's wedding, but he might have been entirely uncomfortable with that versus an I view an extrovert as somebody that seeks out those interactions in that kind of environment and thrives on meeting as as many people as they can um, and they're comfortable doing it. I think Shelley is absolutely on target about that. And I I think we all at certain points are a mixture of introverted and extroverted, depending on the setting and the situation and our mood and the environment. I agree with that. All right. Recommendations. Woo, woo. Recommendations. Yes. Recommendations. Who wants to go first on recommendations? I'm going to go because this recording is happening so close to our last recording that I didn't have one. So I'm going to recommend the book I'm reading, even though I'm not done with it. So I'm reading a book called Less that won the Pulitzer Prize in fiction. The end. Okay. And how far have you gotten in it? I would say I'm halfway through. Have you heard of it? And you're enjoying it so far. Yeah. Andrew Sean Greer. And have you heard of this? Yes, I I, I read it. Oh, did you like it? Eh, okay. Just okay. I'll take that. I'm not sure I would have given it the Pulitzer Prize, but... Okay. All right. That's mine. Who's up? Okay, Shelley. I'm also recommending a book that I'm currently reading. It came highly recommended, and I I'm, I'm disagree with the recommendation. But it's by Sharon Birch McGran, and it has a long, one of the longest titles of any book I've ever seen. It's called The Theory That Wouldn't Die, How Bay's Rule Cracked the Enigma Code hunted down Russian submarines, and emerged triumphant from two centuries of controversy. Um, Very long. So Bayes' theorem is a cornerstone of what we do in genetics when you're figuring out probability and prior probability. And uh, for a certain event, birth or 
um, the chance of having a, a child with a birth defect or, or, or disease. So the premise is to, uh, overall is to how to think rationally using statistics or not using statistics, but the Bayes theorem is a statistical formula. And so it's like how to think rationally by updating our initial beliefs with objective new information and, that we get in and how we improve upon that belief system. So I'm only a quarter of a way through. It's interesting. It's just a lot of detail. It's pretty deep. Okay, John. My recommendation is that uh, someone should find and tell me whether a, a, an advocacy group for net neutrality or open internet or free speech on the internet is something that exists because I would sure I because I want to join. Uh, but I'm I'm I, I my recommendation is that everybody should find an organization like that and support it. And or move to a country where their where their internet access is less controlled. Well, but I but yeah, but I mean I, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering is you know I know that the net neutrality movement in the U.S. is about like making sure that people have equal access to the internet and that like you know you can't pay more for faster internet. Although I think that's what happens anyway. But I, there's somehow there's some kind of an argument. No, that's, no, that's John, you're misunderstanding neutrality. or misstating what net neutrality. Net neutrality is not about people not paying. It's for saying that people who put content up can't right. use their financial leverage to get maximize their access. That's what net neutrality. Is. Sure. It's not for users. Sure. It's for so to, putting content. Up. Yeah, sure. Well, users put content up. You put content up every day. Right. But I mean, you're making it sound like that they're saying that the public, if you're an individual, you can get better access. Of course, you can pay more and get better access to the Internet. Nobody's against that. What they're saying is that that companies that have a financial advantage shouldn't have privileged position in terms of their company, their content being on the internet. Well, I guess I'm, exp I'm, I'm doing what I often do in China, which is I'm expanding that to the concept of just the more powerful having a disproportionate amount of power and access to the internet or, and yes, or, right. is, is bad. Yes. And if, and, and that I, is I, what new, I would new like to, says. I would, yes. because I, the thing that's become painfully clear to me is how important, uh, how important it is to have, to have free unfettered access to the internet and i think boy more than ever i'm coming down on the side of if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna limit it uh it's almost like at this point it's like somebody stepping on your throat to quote uh, rb rbg uh in her in her documentary but it's like it's it's unbelievably painful so if somebody knows of a good net neutrality international free speech organization let me know Okay, my recommendation is a series on Hulu called Shrill. It's six episodes. It stars A.D. Bryant of Saturday Night Live fame. She plays a woman who is dealing with all sorts of issues, but primarily with a lot of body image issues. And it's funny, entertaining, and quite interesting. It also stars Julia Sweeney from a different era of Saturday Night Live, and the fantastic John Cameron Mitchell, the original Hedwig. So that's my recommendation. John, before the VPN yeah. fails, wow. take us home. Yes. Yeah, I've, I, I have bounced around. I've been to Santa Clara, Germany, Tokyo, Hong Sounds Kong, like a country Russia, music and Ethiopia trying to get to you guys on this show. So uh, thank you. 
Thank you very much for listening today. We'd like to thank everyone for for listening this far into the podcast, because now that we have a better picture of how long you're listening, anybody listening this long is a true and loyal friend. So to that extent, we salute you. Please, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, give us a rating. Clicking on the stars helps us immensely. And if you do nothing else, that would be the number one thing we would request. We are available on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, including Zoom on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, you can you can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on LinkedIn. And we would love to hear from you. Send us an email, twoguysinsearch at gmail.com. It's all spelled out. If you haven't yet sent us an oral comment or some kind of complaint about either the incoherence of episodes where John keeps popping in and popping out, this is your chance. We would love to hear from you. So give us a, give us a buzz and we're, we'll look forward to talking to you in a fortnight.